0: and welcome to quarter time podcast. I'm Lucy G and I'm Lucy P and we're here to bring you all the netball goodness you never knew you needed.
1: Hello everyone and welcome. A huge thank you for joining us for this super special bonus podcast uh, which we will be honest we weren't totally planning to do loose were we uh most of you, no, you no, were not. most of you will have seen on our social media uh, that we announced a little bit of a hiatus following um, emna nationals but after the first game of this series we just decided we could not let the opportunity pass to have a bit of a debrief after what has been a dramatic and fascinating series so before we introduce our star-studded panel and dive into some questions loose what are your overall headlines to take away from this series
0: oh my god I mean how to narrow it down really um I suppose the biggest thing for me is that it feels like both sides have come away victorious from this obviously New Zealand actually won the series um, and they've really proved that they can dig themselves out of a hole after losing the the first test but you know, England, they proved a lot of people wrong, myself included. And they really showed that the next generation are able to compete with the world number two. Um, I think as well, the quality of the netball that we saw was excellent, particularly in tests one and three. We had eight out of 12 quarters that were decided by five goals or fewer. So really tightly contested. And the other thing that I noticed as well as as a spectator um, watching from the UK, is that the arenas for all three tests seem to be sold out. There was so much media noise and coverage about it, which no doubt we'll get on to a bit later Luce. Um, but you know whether you agree or disagree of the discourse prior to the series there was so much chat about it which can only be a good thing for netball and really get people excited about the start of a new cycle. Yeah, could
1: not agree more with you there Luce. So just a few housekeeping bits before we get into it with our panel. So this space is being recorded for any netball fans who aren't able to listen live and it's going to be released as a bonus episode in the next couple of days in all the usual podcast places. So if you want. To send any questions for our panel or any comments, things like that, please do tweet us at Quarter Time Pod, and we'll be using the hashtag #TinyJamesonTrophy. So, yeah, do share your thoughts, your questions, comments, musings, opinions, and we'll try to shout out as many of them as possible. As always, the athletes and coaches we're talking about are real people who have real feelings and may also listen to this live or on playback. So, please bear that in mind with any comments or thoughts you send in, and be respectful at all times. And now, so to introduce our amazing guests, I'm honestly so excited for this, we are thrilled to welcome New Zealand netball commentator Jenny Woods, England netball legend and Sky sports pundit Tamsin Greenway, and former England Rose and Netball Super League stalwart Lindsay Keeble. Welcome, everyone. So fantastic to have you. Thank you. Thank you very Hi much. Guys. <laughs> Hello. We've got you as well, Lindsay.
2: Yeah, great to be here tonight. Really discussing netball with you guys so I can't wait to see what everyone's got to say about the past Series. Amazing.
1: Yeah. In today's conversation, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to discuss the media noise and general drama before the series, before taking a look at each test in detail. And a quick note to our panel, we will direct questions to each of you, but feel free to chip in with any comments if you agree or disagree. Debate and discussion is very welcome. And at the end of the episode, we'll ask each member of the panel to choose a player of the series from each team. So this is your warning. You can start thinking about it now. And we also want the lovely list to let us know your thoughts. So get in touch with us. You can use uh, the uh, hashtag tinyjamesontrophy or you can tweet us at quartertimepod. Okay, so without any further ado, into our first talking point for this evening. So the team announcement from England for this series created a bit of a storm on social media and in the media from a New Zealand perspective, with New Zealand netball CEO Jenny Wiley branding it disrespectful. England named a side with seven debutants and no players from the 2023 Netball World Cup squad uh, due to a planned rest period, with head coach Jess Thelby also taking a back seat. So, Jenny, I'll come to you first. You yourself publicly expressed some dismay at the side England had named after the announcement, calling the team a B-side and saying this is not what netball needs right now. After England won the first test, you posted an apology on Twitter, which was a move that I respect hugely. What seemed curious to me is why the reaction from everyone in New Zealand was so severe after the England team was named, given it's it's common to rest key players at the start of a new cycle. So, Jenny, why do you uh, do you think that netball New Zealand's poor performance at the World Cup contributed to why there was such a strong reaction?
3: Uh, I don't know that it did. I think what really got up, uh, you know, got people's goats really was the fact that. There was no heads up from England Netball that they were going to do this. Um, You know, normally, I mean, the the tour was arranged ages ago, all that sort of stuff. Um, The two management groups saw each other all the time at Cape Town. No mention was made that, oh, actually, we're not going to send any of our, uh, you know, top players. I agree with you, Lucy. I mean, it is normal after a World Cup that some players don't travel you know they've got injuries or they've got studies or something, but it's very rare for none of them to come. And I I, I was trying to think back, um, and I couldn't find any any repeat of this sort of um, behaviour, if you like. So I think that is what people were so upset about is that there was no heads up. All it came is pop up on the overnight, you know, thing that they put up. Boom, you know, no no one that most of the netballing public um, recognised. And I think that was what really upset I'll people. I'll just
1: clarify for you, Danny, nobody in the netball public in New Zealand we we were very excited about some of the young players coming in, but I completely agree with you about the um, the heads up. I think it's just it's bizarre to me that England Netball didn't make it clear to Netball New Zealand what they were doing, um, you, you know, just in, in advance, you know, a few weeks before the series, or, or even like you say, um, months in advance when it was originally being planned. Um, but Tamsin, uh, on the first test in particular, there was a lot of talk about it being a B squad for England. They are referred to as second rate on the Inside Netball podcast prior to the series. Um, do you think Tamsin that New Zealand possibly regret the chat prior to the series after losing that first test?
4: <laughs> yeah, look, I've got I've got no issues with um, people, mate. You know. I've got no issues with people making comments at all because um, that's what we need. Like, I mean, I, I I found it more funny that we were all so outraged <laughs> about it because, because we want opinions in netball all the time. And then when we get them, we're like, oh, can't believe they said that. I think there's two <laughs> things for me. If you're going to be ballsy and put it out there, then you have to own it when they lose. And actually, I, I feel more sorry for, for people like Jenny because that the New Zealand side in that first test were awful. Uh, they were awful. Like, we, we were brilliant. And yeah. uh, England have been brilliant this whole series. And B team is... Is, is a is a word that's probably going to go now. We've got loads of talent coming through and I think one of the lessons learned, and Aussies have got to do the same as well, is that the, the Kiwis and the Aussies aren't paying any attention to our talent coming through from Super League. And I know that because when you talk about certain players, they have no idea who they are. Mm. So that's the first thing. I think lessons will be learned from that. Our second string, our young group, our development group, are getting better than they've ever been. Um, and that's that's a warning to everybody that actually you're going to have to play your best now to beat you you can't just show up. And I think in the first test, New Zealand just show, showed up. But I I think it, it was more, for me, I, I just thought it was quite funny, it, you know, that they, they are technically our B team and it, it wasn't communicated well and it should have mm. been. And I actually think as well, Um, I agree with Jenny in the sense that some players should have gone and not because of the, we, we didn't know what the results were going to be by the fore of it. But, you know, your Fran Williams, your Fumis, your Liv Sheens, um, even your Imogen's, I think, should have been on that tour. And, and I think we can safely say that because we sat two people in the crowd the whole time who didn't even get a whiff, and we pretty much outran the same two defensive unit for the whole series. So I just think I think the opinions are good. You've got to own it when egg's on your face. I think we should have healthy debates about stuff. Um, I think Oz and New Zealand have to do more homework. And um, I think moving forward, I think there still has to be questions on what this tour was all about as well. because because taking 14 players completely unknown was probably not what we needed to do.
1: Yeah, I know. I, c- I couldn't agree with you more there, Tamsin. Um, and Lindsay, I'll come to you next, um, if you can hear us. I'm um, not sure if you can at the moment. Uh, no, I don't think you can, so I will... No, uh,
2: no, no Lisa, oh, you I can hear us. you. Oh, I just great. couldn't Sorry. hear... Yeah, I couldn't hear anything Tamsin said, so I don't know if... It uh, she w- she was spitting reason. pure
1: facts, as usual, so that will fill you in, most likely. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll just come to you, Lindsay, uh, on this first, um, just a bit about the media before the series started. So, Lindsay, you've obviously played with a number of the players who were selected during your time at London Pulse, including Barry Neal, Alicia Scholes, Ellie Ratu, and Halliadio, And you're obviously well aware of the talent and potential they have. Um, given that lots of those players haven't had a huge amount or, or any exposure at this very top level, and there's seven debutantes not just in terms of the on-court performance, but also managing the media pressure. How well do you think the youngsters stood up?
2: I just think they did amazing. The fact that they literally gave it to New Zealand in the first test, you know, every single one of them stepped up. Had I'm unaware that any of them had technically started for England. And I know that a lot of them have a good exposure on sort of national level, either Super League or obviously Sasha Glasgow playing in the SNN. But I just think they really took the opportunity, grasped it with two hands, and absolutely gave it to them. And you know what? Underdogs always have that little edge over some other people. So I think England really relished the fact they had a massive opportunity and the girls showed calm and collectiveness. You know, I could only imagine that they were pretty nervous. I know Barry and Liss and Ellie and everyone like that, they, you know, they take it with absolute pride and honour. But, you know, we all all but a bit nervous, especially with the sellout crowds and many people anticipating England to be a B-side. The fact that they came out and trumped and been more of an A-star side, I think, you know, they deserve a lot of credit for that. And I think they did compose themselves really well. I think they've kept their interactions on social media quite small, like looking at their Instagram posts and their Facebook pages and things like that, they're quite minimal. So I think, you know, they're taking it in their stride and probably really learning from the girls from Cape Town and um asking for advice elsewhere but yeah i've been really proud of them i think they've done a stellar yeah job.
1: i think it shows a lot of maturity from such a young group you know with, with all of those off-court aspects going on as well that they, they handled it brilliantly um, don't forget to get in touch as well on the hashtag tiny jameson trophy let us know your thoughts everyone listening in and we'll try and do a few shout outs as we go along Okay, so diving into Test 1, which England won, 55-54. Just had to mention that in there. Um, England actually won the second quarter, 17-10, and the other three quarters were really close. It was very, very exciting Test match and got the series off to a really good start. I don't really think anyone was expecting this result, apart from possibly the England Roses and their coaching team. But given New Zealand's form coming into the series, it was always a possibility. I certainly didn't predict it. I didn't think England would win a test in this series. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised. Um, Tamsin, how significant was this win for England?
4: Yeah, look, it's a huge win. I always talk about going to New Zealand as one of the hardest places to go with an experience just because um, historically you come up against a side that are ridiculously structured that players own zone like nobody else does in the world um that lets ball go and at home as well with their home crowd um they're just a different level so to actually get that scalp on the first one was was really interesting um I think England were great I think they stuck to plan I thought they attacked the game I thought Sasha Glasgow was outstanding I thought um but I, I do think New Zealand were poor um I've never seen them Throw away. well. I think the circle was an interesting, interesting mix, and the whole Maya Wilson thing now moving forward is going to be really interesting in what they do and whether they stick to target shooters, um because it, it just wasn't working for them at all, um, and they just weren't winning enough ball. Like, I've never seen them so loose on second phase. It was, a, it was a bizarre series. And what I loved about England, and in the past we haven't always done this with young squads, is that we'd sort of hang back, but they didn't. They just went at mm. them. Um, And I think that was what most exciting is that they gave us an opening and we just we just went at it and then hung on in the end as well with getting exposure. So um, it's just showing that step up, um, because I think in the past, old England groups wouldn't have done that. And it's showing now what this this young group are becoming like and they're becoming so, so much less fearful of opposition and especially New Zealand and Australia. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that was something I spoke about actually on the Kiwi Netball show podcast prior to the series, that some of that fear factor as, as, sort of dipped a little bit in recent years Um, and Tamsin sticking with you for this next one you said on Off the Court that we need to talk about the decision not to take Sasha Glasgow to the Netball World Cup uh, given her performance in this series she was player of the match in Test 1 putting up 38 from 41 at 93% she actually didn't miss in quarters 2, 3 or 4 and this game for me was just all about that England attacking end so what exactly was it that the Roses attackers were doing that made it so difficult for the Ferns defenders
4: I think just because of Sasha Glasgow's positioning she was in front a lot on Kelly Jory and um, she holds that circle really well and will play more of a rotation because they were getting to the edge and and being able to play wide and go down the other side so freely they just weren't getting anywhere near I I mean I, I don't actually know and maybe Jenny will be able to talk about this I don't know what the silver ferns were doing defensively because it, it it wasn't it wasn't the off mark and we used to in an effective way and I mean they weren't even switching in the circle it was a bizarre it was a bizarre defensive structure so I don't know it obviously got better. Um, but I think it just played right into Sasha Glasgow's hands. I thought Hannah Joseph was excellent as well. And it was great to see her get quality court time on a tour and be able to um back stuff up as well. I thought she was brilliant how she serviced Glasgow. But I but I think it was more about where they got to and how how good Glasgow was. And yeah, I was I will always question performance decisions because if, if she was that good eight weeks after the World Cup, why wasn't she at the World mm. Cup when we genuinely weren't prepared? To put other shooters on the court in the big games and look. I think Liv Sheen should have absolutely gone to the World Cup that wasn't the issue but I can't believe we had someone of that quality and and didn't yeah. take her and it, it just sort of goes against like what happened with Fumi after the Commonwealth Games we played her against Australia and, and look what she did and I just think we do have to challenge some of that sometimes yeah uh,
1: yeah completely agree I'll come to you Jenny then just to respond about the defence from New Zealand what were your what was your take on what they were doing in that first test
3: well, I think the thing was they weren't doing much, and I think also if I can go to the other end of the court first of all, I mean it was a horror show from New Zealand's point of view because of course they'd you know come out with you know all guns blazing, only the guns had blacks. I mean, there was just nothing there. And the, it was suggested to me after the game that, oh, you know, they sort of a bit of a hangover from the World Cup. Well, maybe. But it looked as though the the attacking end, and I, I'm talking about Maya Wilson, um, and not Ekanasio, because she was a, she was the one who emerged from that game reputation intact. Um, but she looked as though she'd just been introduced to those mid-quarters. I mean, you know, she's Yes, she's only 26, but she's been around a long time. And it will be interesting, as you say, Tamsin, just to see what effect it has on her international career now uh, in the future, just to see what happens. Uh, but yes, absolutely. The, I mean, they. I think I was talking to Sulu Fitzpatrick about this after the um, last night, and she was saying, well, she just thinks that they got lulled into a sense of, um, false security. And then once when they realized they had, you know, that second quarter hit them and they thought, oh, hell bells, we better get cracking. And we just couldn't because the English were too good. And uh, again, I agree. Sasha Glasgow, how did you not pick her for the <laughs> World Cup? Because she um, I mean, we we're familiar with her, uh, because we, you know, a lot of us watch the Suncorp. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, she would have been one of the, well, no, she wouldn't have been the first one, but she would have been at least the third that I that I would have taken. So, yeah, perhaps an opportunity missed, but I'm sure they will, you know, put that to rights. And the other thing I'd go back to what you earlier comments, Tamsin, couldn't agree more about New Zealand and Australia being caught napping because we don't get, um, uh, we're not aware enough of your domestic league also, uh, it, the broadcasters, oh, well, I'm not going to blame them, but it's very hard to mm. watch your Super League here because it, it used to be shown regularly. It's not now. And also, I think the sheer amount of investment, the, I think, was it £22 million are just about to go, you know, back into netball? And that's New Zealand's problem. We simply don't have the money to, to put into netball. And you can see, you know, all you have to do to whoever you're going to talk to is say look at england look what they're achieving um, and they're, they're getting depth and that's what we need.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you there, Jenny. And, um, you know, in, in terms of the Super League, I mean, we we can't watch all the games here, not all the games are streamed, so we can't watch them so nobody else in the in the world can watch them if you're watching from overseas. And I do think that, the, you know, those difficulties are obviously um, being worked on, I think, by England Netball with the new um, managing director of the Super League, Claire Nelson, that hopefully in the future we, we can, you know, have more exposure for our league, which will mean mean that you know commentators and um fans all across the globe can see the the amazing talent that we have on display not just in in kind of um international series like this one um and lindsay uh, obviously um you know you've played in the super league for is it 15 or 16 years you 16 oh lindsay I, I think i might have lost you
0: Yeah, she just dropped out for a second but I think it's
2: 16 16?
0: years 16 yeah
2: sorry guys I'm having a little problem I can't I could only hear Jenny and no one else was talking Oh (laughs) that's not a problem (laughs) I wasn't a naughty child I wasn't listening I was just having technical difficulties oh
1: no that's that's absolutely fine no I think um we probably better move on to test two actually because I'm just um concerned about the time loose have we had anything on the hashtag
0: uh, yeah, I'll make sure I'm, I'm not muted now
1: um, yes we have there's a really interesting question actually um,
0: just sort of going back to the England attackers from Jamie Key apologies if I've pronounced your surname wrong um, Lindsay I'll come to you she said I'd love to know the thoughts of Tamsin and Lindsay on Sophie Drakeford-Lewis after the last two series here uh, between the two teams she was a key player and I expected this again this year but has Barry Neal overtaken her? what are your thoughts Lindsay?
2: I mean competition within the England squad is high and there's a mass opportunity at the moment where young players are getting lots of exposure and I'm a big fan of Safe. I'm a massive fan of Berry, and unfortunately it's all about competition, about how well you're shooting, how well you're doing and I think Safe's, Safe's done well, like she's secured her place, she was unfortunate not to get into the uh, World Cup team but she's a solid shooter, she did a fantastic, t- uh, fantastic stint in Storm this year and you know, Barry's come along, she's really different, she's a breath of fresh air compared to some, like, you know, previous uh, sort of options that we've had there at Goal Attack. And, you know, she's just, a, you know, giving Safe a bit of a run for her money. I don't think Safe should be alarmed or worried that she's, like, lost her place or losing out. I just think England and Netball are finally giving multiple people opportunities to be exposed to high level. Like, I sat on a bench for years waiting for someone to be confident in giving me an opportunity and it barely came so the fact that I see all these um goal attacks wing attacks whoever it is getting opportunities I think can only be a good thing so I hope you know it's good to have healthy competition maybe Tamsin might be able to see what she thinks about being a wing attack goal attackers in two positions but yeah you need the competition you need to strive to get people better and I think you know it is hard with your teammates doing well but everyone's done well and I think they should you know, all we'll be confident that they're coming out of this in a in a good place.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more actually. And there's a really interesting comment from Blissy as well on the hashtag. Um she said fully agree with Tamsin. Can't fathom why some of the more um inexperienced players from the World Cup didn't go on tour. As great as it was for Barry and Sasha to get quality time, etc. I feel that Liv Cheen now also needs test time to show her caliber. Um, so that sort of that element of competition and the opportunity to play it, we've just got so much talent
1: we are stacked now which is amazing yeah, particularly in that shooting end as well um, and that's something we'll come on to we're going to move on to Test 2 now um, which New Zealand won 57-36 to 36. and I'd have to check with Todd Miller but I would say a 22 goal turnaround in just three days in between international tests has got to be some sort of record unfortunately and it was certainly a very different game to the first test. A horrible start for England shooting 53.8% in quarter one ended the game on 67.9% shooting and the trademark New Zealand stifling defence was well and truly back in action in this game and this was actually New Zealand's first test match win since beating Wales on day four at the Netball World Cup. So firstly Jenny I'll come to you what a debut for Amelia Wormsley. I mean, she shot 36 from 41, at 87%. And she's 19 years of age, taking ball under all sorts of pressure. You do kind of have to wonder why she wasn't brought on in Test 1. Um, but with Maya Wilson struggling in Test 1, she only put up 9 from 11 in that first half in the first Test. Um, Jenny, do you think that New Zealand have enough depth in the shooting circle currently without Grace
3: Wecky? Uh, well, no, not entirely, but I think it's coming. And I think you've got to remember, you know, we 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 don't have as many players as other countries, but and depth has always been our problem, like always been our problem. Um, but yeah, I think you're right in saying the difference between Test one and Test two, Wormsley, and also the defensive end throughout. I mean, um, it, it was just in the the numbers that that first quarter was incredible, and yes, there was a bit of a lull in the second, but then they went again, and to be honest, that was the game that I had been expecting to see in Test 1. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it it took a while to get there. Um, but Amelia Wormsley, yes, yeah, she had a sensational uh, ANZ Premiership last year. She kept, uh, and you'll be familiar with Joyce and Vula, because mm-hmm. there was a bit of... Um, uh, outcries too strong, but, you know, upset back, I think. She was Manchester Thunder, yeah, wasn't she? Yeah, Manchester Thunder. Before she, yeah, uh, up in your part of the world because, you know, and Boulder came down here to play for the Pulse, virtually never got on court, and she never got on court because Wormsley was just that much better. And I think, you know, we saw that through this series. And, you know, she seemed to invent new ways to to fall down, but um, <laughs> to, to put out two 60-minute performances uh with the numbers, what were they? 36 from 41, 40 from 44 last night. And I think she just gives that other um aspect, I suppose, a little bit that we're used to seeing from Grace Wicky. but she subtly she plays differently to, to Wecke. Mm. So there's a bit of depth there. And if you know I if I was Maya Wilson, yes, I would be a bit concerned. Uh it's a little bit like you were saying, Lindsay, about um Sophie Drakeford Lewis. You know, she's she's gotta put up better numbers. I mean she was great in that first test terrible in the second I mean you can't shoot 50% mm. and, and expect to be left out there so you know problems.
1: Yeah, it's that consistency isn't it, I think, for shooters that's so difficult. That's yeah. why I certainly do not venture into the, sh- into the shooting circle. <laughs> um, but looking at the Silver Ferns midcourt for Test 2, I felt it was a much better combination. Uh, Mila, Rielly Buchanan dominated. Uh, she had 33 feeds. Next highest was Gordon with 27. And we saw Kate Heffernan pick up a really good amount of ball in wing defence. And she also got Hannah Joseph sent to the bench after the first quarter. And the the average age of that particular mid-court lineup for New Zealand, who played all 120 minutes together in Test 2 and 3, plus the second half of Test 1, it's just 23.6 years of age. So they're very well placed to take New Zealand through to the next cycle. And I think that's a very exciting unit and combination for us to be keeping an eye on. So Tamsin, what was this mid-court lineup for New Zealand doing differently compared to what we saw from the ferns at the Netball World Cup? I, I think a
4: lot of it has got to do with the shooters as well. Like you, you lose your starting shooter. If we if we'd have lost El Cardwell at, at the World Cup, it would it would have been a different, completely different story yeah. for England. And and there's not many teams in the world. Australia are the team at the minute that can change. And actually, there was loads of decisions about whether Sophie Garbin should have been there because of her performance in the season. So you, you're always going up and down with shooters. I think there's a couple of things for New Zealand. Um, Kate Heffernan's a defensive centre so I I really like her at centre but I think she's more I I don't think she's your full 60 minute player so you've got to choose when you put her in there second half first half and what was interesting watching them at World Cup is that they were edgy once they'd lost Maki and and they weren't... Kate Heffernan wasn't comfortable feeding Maya Wilson. Mm. And what I thought was interesting in this first test is New Zealand got hammered about not letting ball go and playing too safe. And um, and Maya Wilson, was it was like textbook um, next ball. She was rolling off, picking the front. like It was the same move time and time again. It was successful, but it was the same move. So I think they looked at giving ball over the top to Maya. And if you watch that first test again... It was not as much England winning ball as it was New Zealand throwing ridiculous not. ball, and mm-hmm. actually through the whole series it's been like yeah. that. Like I, I watched I today in, in the third in the third um, game. And I was like, they actually can't pass to each other. If you go back and watch, I think it was the third quarter start when New Zealand went, started to go up. They they had a chance to go five up or it was second quarter. And they threw one back line away, like a back line, Mm. like literally to no one. They threw one going through the the court to no one um, and they missed a shot. And suddenly we were back in the game. So, I mean, you do have to be realistic about how you're winning ball and what's going on. So they only will get better. I think moving Kate Heffernan out of there was a big um, big part for them as well and especially if they're going to play Wormsley and Wacky in there because I was actually impressed with Wormsley I think she can exit the circle a lot more but she clearly been told to stay in there at least for these these games if you're going to do that your mid-court and your goal attack the work rate has to be insane because you you were literally playing without another player now if you look at England for years they've been playing with Joey Hart and with Helen Houseby now with El Carbo they all move mm-hmm. they all exit and that's what Sasha Glasgow and um Barry Neal did and when you've got that extra play you've always got an offload so I think New Zealand are going to have to look at that can they afford to keep Nweki and Warmsley in the circle if they can they've got if they're going to they're going to have to have an attacking lineup which means um, Maddie and Amila are going to be key for them with Heffernan back at wing defence if they're going to have the shooter exiting I think Heffernan can impact in there but I think this is this is the bit you have to start talking about like it's not as straightforward as Oh, she's our best center, show she plays. I remember um and and Jenny, you probably remember this as well, when Viti and Laura Langman, the, the connection there was just just not there. And Laura Langman was always going to start. So, you know, suddenly you have to look at a different shooter. And and this is what starts to happen all the time. So an attacking lineup when you've got a holding shooter, people that can do stuff on the ball and get free res- relentlessly is key. And especially with Ekanazio wanting to get in the circle where she's absolutely lethal. So I think that was probably the biggest impact for the Kiwis.
1: Yeah, I agree. Do you, Do you agree with that, Jenny?
3: Yes, I do. I always agree with Tamsin because <laughs> she's, <laughs> but no, she knows us like that's exactly right. And I would go back. Well, interesting you were saying about coming out of the circle, because I think there was a feeling here that in that first test when Maya Wilson was what tending to come out and she was, uh, there was a thought that there was a, she was sort of getting in the way of the mid quarters and they didn't really quite know where to go. So i just throw that in because I think that might have been why uh, Wormsley tended to stay and uh, you just um, I mean I don't know there's so many ways to play this game aren't there but uh, uh, yeah I I just thought Wormsley was um, next level.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I'm conscious of time, so I'm just going to move on to test three before we go on to some of our talking points. Um, we will hopefully come to some of your listener questions as well. Please do keep uh, sending them in. If we don't get to answer them um, on, on the podcast, um, we'll do a, a separate message to you as well um, with some of our thoughts. Um, so thank you so much to everyone who sent questions in so far. So looking at test three then, which New Zealand won 59 to 52. And this game was a ripper. Uh, the scores were level for most of the third quarter before New Zealand pulled away. And it, to be honest, it did look like there were a few tired bodies out there for England. Um, Oyasola in particular, didn't look as lively as she usually does in this game and was guilty of quite a few errors, perhaps a bit of fatigue setting in as she had played all 120 minutes at goal defence already in this series. So looking at the balance of the squad, we selected three out of four defenders who are by and large out-and-out out goalkeepers. They've been playing goalkeeper in the Netball Super League this year. Ella Bowen was in the touring squad but wasn't selected in the match day 12 for any of the three tests. So Lindsay, do you feel we should have selected another goal defence option for the 12?
2: Yeah, definitely. I know that a lot of the girls would have been made aware that they probably would have gone out to goal defence if they needed be. I mean, I've played with Halle at goal defence myself a goalkeeper, so I know that girl can do it. Um, but yeah, I think it was quite disappointing for them just not to have a moment where they could release Vicky. Vicky is like such an impactful player. I loved playing with her way back in Mavericks. And, you know, she's, she's electric. She is rapid. You know, as a person who's played against her for many years, you are scared of that woman. Like she can cover the court like no end. But yeah, like you said 120 minutes, relentlessly turning ball over, relentlessly hunting it down, continuously attacking. That, that girl probably needed a rest. That girl, you know, Vicky is fast, but you've got to be able to take her off to give her a breathe and put something back on. So it was disappointing not to really have either confidence in someone going out there and or the confidence in picking Ella in a combination, as obviously they wanted to expose players. So why didn't they have an opportunity of exposing Ella? But yeah, I think I think it was an opportunity missed perhaps, but I, Vicky did, still did a solid job. So I can't really take it away from her. But it would have been nice to have a, another big gold offence to have a crack out
4: there.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Tamsin, potentially you would say it should have been Fran Williams or Fumi Fadoji.
4: Well, yeah, absolutely. Like, why, why would it not be? They've not been doing this for four to eight years. They, And you know what, as well, it was really quite interesting because when you just quickly picking up on what you were saying about Sophie Drakeford-Lewis and, and um, Barry Neal, mental pressure is part of the game. But Fumi and Fran will be sitting at home, I guarantee, wanting to be on that court. Like, you you don't want to be sitting at home watching someone else basically take your position. Mm. And and actually, if they've taken Fumi, Fran and, and Liv and Imogen... We might have actually won the test series. You never know. So, and and that's that's another that's another thing to think about. Like these these players do want to play. Yes, they need rest at certain times, but there's certain times in your career as well. And I just think I don't know. I didn't speak to them personally, so I don't know whether they wanted to be out there. But I would suggest that it's quite hard sitting at home sometimes watching that, thinking, "Oh, I could have been been out there." And I, and I also think absolutely we should be blooding in players, and it needs to happen, and we need to do it more. But I just don't think we need four or five players in every position. Mm. So you know, it's it's like you've got your core group at the moment. Who who is your next centre coming through? Because we've now we've now tried Amy and Elle there, and Ellie Rattu didn't get any ch- time there at all. Mm. So it's kind of like going, well, well, what is the plan there? And and the same with your wing attacks, and the same with the goal attacks, and, and everything else. I so just and you know, if you weren't going to play Ella Bowen or Emma Saka wh- why did they go? I agree. Mm. Mm. It's actually yeah, not for players to sit in the crowd for well. I found it real and healthy as a player. Oh, tell me about
2: I
3: it. Also I agree. had
4: plenty of time there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I agree that had you brought the likes of Fran Williams and Fidoji and all that, I, I mean, you you could easily have won that series. And, you know, I, I think that would be one question that I just, um, yeah, I'd ask.
0: Yeah. Can I, sorry, can I just jump in a question? Just to follow up on what you said, Tamsin, obviously, We know that Jess Selby wasn't coaching this one, but she was there in person providing a sort of supporting role, or I'm not too sure. Um, And obviously we had Liana, Joe and Sam Birds on the coaching bench. But with what you've said about Ellie Ratu not getting any time in centre, which I I would love to have seen. For me, she's England's next centre between her and Amy Carter. Um, How difficult do you think it is to balance... The sort of coaching needs. Like I imagine Jess would have had her own ideas as to what she would have liked to have seen out on court in this series versus Liana, who was acting in head coach. How difficult do you think it is for England to, to balance those different priorities when you've got different coaching benches for different series?
4: Well, look, they are all close in it and they all work together. I, again, I'm just going to say this as an opinion. I just thought it was really strange. Like, I, d- I don't know any other sport where your national team would play a game and your national coach would be sitting behind, mentoring coaches on the bench. Like, yeah. you're playing New Zealand. <laughs> it's not like you're playing under 10's netball. I d- I don't I don't get it. So I I understand coaches need to, and you know, having Joe Harton in there and what they did with Serena Guthrie and and how they're helping Milner and stuff like that. And I I get that. But I just think there's more beneficial ways to help your coaches back home than them leading the squads out there. And look, they, I, my kind of point is, if you're going to be there, coach, otherwise don't be there and let them coach because I, I'm not sure how that all works. But again, I'm not in it. Um, I thought it was strange. Uh, clearly Ellie is not being looked at as the next England centre, otherwise she'd be getting exposure there. So it'll be interesting to see because they they played Elle and, and Amy there. Are those our next two centres and, and how they perform this season and, and everything else? I just think we've got back into that mode of um, we need to be very careful that we're not over trying loads of players because you don't get that many shots against New Zealand and South Africa or in Australia and people do need time out there look at Hannah Joseph she had a cracking first test she got dragged in the second test and came on and had a cracking third mm. test time and exposure helps you not odd five minutes here and six minutes there and sitting in a crowd there and doing that like Again, I can say that as a player, I'm sure Linz will back that up as well. Like exposure helps, mm. so I do. I do think we need to be careful that we've not got into this mix, and and for the coaching thing. I, I genuinely, and I'm, it's not me bagging anybody out. I just thought it was really bizarre. Yeah,
1: I think that 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 view was was shared by a lot of people as well. You know, obviously we know Jess will be her, um very sadly the passing of her dad uh, around the time of the World Cup. You know, and she would have maybe taken time away, but then she was also there out for the series. So, um, yes, a strange situation there from that coaching perspective. Um, but Jenny, I'll just come back to you to talk about this final test. So obviously the Silver Ferns came away with the seven goal victory. And they had a really good surge towards the end of the game, and I kind of feel that after the final whistle, there was almost a bit of a sigh of relief from New Zealand that they'll be heading into the Constellation Cup with that series win under their belts. So, Jenny, what do you think will be the main focus in the Silver Ferns' camp ahead of the uh, facing Australia in the Constellation Cup?
3: Well, I think you're right about the sigh of relief because um, there was. Because you know this England side re- did surprise a lot of a lot of people, uh, and they should be proud of themselves. It, uh, the only thing I would say was, what was the talk of the the commentary was when was Nolene going to change that um, the lineup on court? Because in the second test, that was that when she didn't change anyone, um, that was the first. Uh, Line up. She didn't tinker with since the Commonwealth Games, mm. um, that that bronze medal game against actually you guys. So then she didn't do it again last night, and she was asked about that actually in the um, in the post match uh, press conference, and she was saying that essentially, I mean, she thought lots about it because she said she came this close at at several times to putting. Watson and Berger on because, you know, at times you sort of thought, oh gosh, because it was such a tight game. Uh, But she just feels that you've got to, you know, let players work it out, uh, play through and get themselves, you know, it's a bit like what you were saying, Tamsin, about the exposure and, you know, putting yourself out there and staying out there, working out how you're going to get out of it. But, they were well, they were I think they would have been quite pleased to see I in fact there were a lot of comments about Barry Neal, who was likened very much. I think a few people mentioned, oh, she plays like Steph Wood, oh she plays like um Conan. Conan. And obviously yeah, and seeing like uh, Sasha Glasgow out there was, you know, quite helpful. But you know, look, all you can do is do your best. And I think the the big the big find, of course, was Wormsley. I thought the other um well reassurance I suppose was that mid-court they were starting to get together not that they were perfect by a long shot and that's what they were at pains to point out uh they've got a lot of work to do but at least now they start you know they can have some belief because there's no question after that world cup they were shattered particularly Ekinasio she you know thought about giving it away and um so you know, very glad she didn't. And she's she's had a she would be actually an answer to your question. She would be my player of the series because she just held that whole team together, uh, and and as well as you know, top performance from her with with stats. So um, look, I think, and they're now saying look, they're excited. They're looking for. I mean, we love playing Australia, and we didn't play Australia uh, in either the World Cup or the Com Games, which is quite unusual. Haven't played them since Quad Series in South Africa. So, um, you know, here we go. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And Luce, we've had a couple of questions come in. Do you want to run us through those?
3: Yeah,
0: so just to sort of follow up from a, a Silverfern's perspective, I'm going to roll a couple of questions into one. So there was one uh, from Aaron who wants to know, Jenny, your thoughts on the state of netball in New Zealand at the moment. There was sort of a lot said about the series prior to starting, that it wasn't what netball needed right now. Um, Do we think that competition for other sports will be tough for netball New Zealand going forwards? And also, do we think that the Silver Ferns policy around playing overseas should be reviewed? So kind of an oversight, really, from your perspective, Jenny, on the state of, of netball in New Zealand at the moment.
3: Yeah, well, and those are all good questions. Actually, on that, la- I'll do that last one first. So Sam Winders, who, um, you know, former Silver Fern, good, good player. She has just been revealed. She, she's going across to play for the Giants in the Suncorp. And uh, so, you know, Noeline was asked about that last, last night. And she just sort of said, well, basically, you know, good luck to her. She didn't need an exemption. She's not a contracted ANZ player, you know, free to go. It's it's a tricky one, this because I can totally see why Netball New Zealand doesn't want its players to go to Suncorp because then where does that leave? Now we haven't got enough players anyway, so you know that really weakens our domestic league. Um, what was the the earlier one? Oh yes, uh, state of uh, netball. We yeah, just transition
0: so from other sports.
3: Yeah, and that's and that's apropos of. The women's football cup was here, the um the the rise and rise of, of women's rugby. And look, I I mean I think it's all it's all to be applauded. I mean, you've got to in fact it was interesting, the, the black flu black ferns were playing Australia in Hamilton last night as well. Mm. And the get the, the two games ran into each other. And you know, Ekanasia was talking about that and how, you know, they had dinner together on Thursday night, they want to support each other. So all to the good. They want to support female sport, but you've you've got to look after your own game. And I think Netball New Zealand has, you know, quite a few issues uh, to try and get. And the main one, I have to be honest, is getting investment in the game. Um, you know, nothing much has changed because there simply isn't the money. And you know, all the other codes like cricket, um, football, rugby, they can draw on the the men's game for investment. Uh, netball can't and so you know that that is a challenge which i think is one i, I you know i I don't think they're sitting on their bottoms doing <laughs> nothing i think they are doing you know but you know where does if, if you've got some money which you seem to have actually 20 million pounds yeah. send I it don't over know where
1: you, i don't we we personally don't have that jenny I, I certainly don't have 20 million pounds if i did i would definitely give it to netball but um i sadly don't do you mean that um, sport england is that what you mean
3: Yes, I did, There was. I heard something on the radio the other day where it's it's the next five year cycle of investment mm. um, to to put into the domestic league.
2: But yeah, there know. is awesome... so we're oh, sorry. in sorry. a similar position, aren't we? Because the Netball Super League still doesn't have a sponsor, right? Is that correct?
1: Uh, at present, nothing has been announced. Yeah. Um, so yeah.
2: what Jenny's saying isn't just unique to New Zealand. I think Tamzin may agree with this as mm-hmm. well, but I think it's more of an international problem that we've got where we haven't got the investors or the correct investors as we've seen from Australia's um sort of dilemma they've had and you know we need to make sure that we've got the right people backing this sport it's pretty you know it's a special sport to us guys and we need to make sure we share that with everybody yeah,
1: yeah I mean this could be a whole episode and and funnily enough what the um netball super league uh, dates are coming out next week so stay tuned on your uh, social channels in case we might be popping up again with a, a bit of a commentary about this particular topic mm. um, sorry Luce I don't know if I was meant to <laughs> that um, moving swiftly on uh, so taking a look now at the coaching teams and how they perform sorry Luce um, England of course has a different coaching lineup for this series with Liana Leota stepping up as head coach she said uh, in a couple of times in interviews uh, that the difficulty with being an international head coach is all the kind of off court stuff that you have to think about as well as the technical network stuff and that she wouldn't fancy the England head coach role for another 10 years, which I thought was quite funny. Um, and so g- given her kind of relative inexperience in coaching, uh, having been appointed as the Rose's technical coach in May 2021, Lindsay, we've had a listener question come in uh, from Kat, Sorry, that's your um, name on Twitter. I don't know your real name. Um, how much credit do the panel give to Leota and Harton? Did they have a different message or approach with this young side? Was that moving circle a, a Harton influence? Um, so your thoughts, Lindsay, on the coaching of Liana and um, Joe Harton in the series?
2: Well, that's a big, big question to ask, Elise. I think they obviously had an impact. They are very passionate coaches. You can see that from how they interact with the players on the sideline. They genuinely seem like they care. I know Joe cares a lot, and from playing with her, I can only imagine being coached by her is pretty special. And knowing that those uh, shooters did do a fantastic job, there must be a a positive influence that Joe's had. And Joe obviously was involved in the World Cup, and you know we didn't get silver for no no reason. Um, I think Liana brings quite a different uh, approach to Jess. I can't, I don't know if they're very similar. I've been coached by Jess, not by Liana, but I'd also say it's a difficult one because personally, then looking at Leeds performance in this Netball Super League, I wouldn't know if it's the calibre of players respond to her or if it's, you know, just her style works better with the, with the England girls. I don't, I don't Mm. know. Um, It'd be interesting to see other people's thoughts about that because You know, you are judged by your performance of your team that you, uh, you know, pull together. Like, you know, coaches have a big pull for players. Players want to be coached by particular people. I know that's a draw when, you know, you only have to look at Celtic Dragons with the draw that they've got with the players coming over to those because of their coach, because of McIntosh. So, yeah, I mean... They look like a dream team. It's obviously paid off. They had Sandberg there as well. You know, it's great to get these coaches exposed to international level, especially as we didn't have a World Youth Championships the last four years ago, which many young coaches such as Jess, such as Anna Stembridge, all those ones have an opportunity to play at a really high level with high pressure, um, with great calibre of players uh, and still on an international sort of venue and league. So, yeah, Yeah. I, I was impressed by them. I think they did a good job. Jenny might not dis- might disagree. I don't know, but um, I think they came across well. And from a personal perspective, I think it's only promising that netball looks like it's in good hands.
1: Mm, yeah, I agree. Uh, Je- Jenny, did you have any any thoughts on that? Mm,
3: no, I don't disagree at all. I was just—I'm glad you mentioned Sam Bird because she seemed to be very involved in a lot of the decision making. I thought that that um, third quarter talk by Leota was. Outstanding. Yep. I mean, to me, that was wow. I was ready you know, to go I'd, I'd into want battle. to get up and yeah,
1: I would. <laughs> my pitchfork and ready to go.
3: Yes, absolutely. Um, the only thing I would be, I was we we were trying to get uh, interviews with anyone other than Leota, but you know, they they weren't granted, which I think was a, a bit of a shame. But um, never mind, they're there to coach, not not talk. Um, and That's yeah, a thing clearly there was,
0: I talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the, the reference to Sandberg is is really key as well, given how many of the Pulse players are in that squad as well. And yeah. I, I, I think she had a really positive influence. But just a little bit conscious of time, so I'm just going to move us on slightly to a different talking point. Um, one of the uh, the biggest takeaways of this whole series for me, particularly from an England perspective, is the strength of the Roses pathway. And sort of how crucial the investment and the opportunities for the Roses Academy is. And I think if you if you look at the squad, a number of the girls have played and toured together for several years now. They've had tours to New Zealand, Jamaica, Australia, et cetera. And the exposure for the elite competition is is really quite clearly paying off. Um, However, it does seem to the public that there have been cuts to this pathway in recent years. The Roses Academy decreased from 36 athletes in 2021 to 22, down to 27 in 23 and 24. Uh, And seemingly that that there's less playing opportunities abroad in high performance environments. And no doubt this will have a major impact on the next generation of players um, sort of below the ones in this series. And when you contrast this to the main Roses programme, we've seen, I would argue, an increase in resources there because there was something like 15 support staff or something who went to the World Cup, which is the same number as the squad of players who actually went out there as well. Tamsin, I'm going to come to you for this. Do you think that we're potentially in danger of damaging future England prospects by not investing enough in the Future and Roses programme with this decrease? Or do you think England Netball have got the balance of investment right?
4: I think only time will tell, won't it? I think um, the reality is your feeder competitions, your pathways, your coaches at that level are just as vital and crucial as what you're doing at the top end. So we, we do have to be wary that um, we don't cut too much at the bottom end to keep pumping into the top because it's it, it would seem like a short-term focus, wouldn't it? So I think there's there's definitely scope um to make sure we aren't losing that stuff at the pathway and 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 realizing as well why we are closing that gap and why the athletes are getting better and um and all all the other stuff I think it was interesting what Jenny was saying about not um allowing their Kiwi players to go overseas and yet it's been hugely beneficial to us and actually I think then it's allowed our our pathway players to have more opportunities to play because there's more spaces and I think um and I think there's just that feeling now as well that they're not that they understand what that top level is like. So I think there's lots to look at there. I would, yeah, I'd be quite mindful of us completely cutting some of that stuff in the program. And I think there's lots of things we can do differently, not just at sort of the young pathway, but also um, that age group that seem to get forgotten when they don't quite make it to Super League as well. I think there's so much more we can do um, that would only help our competition.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the World Youth Cup, of course, um, coming up in the next couple of years, 2025, I think. So we will be good to see some of those young faces in there and what they can do on the world stage. Um, So we'll just go to a few more listener questions. Um, So, Jenny, one for you from a listener, uh, Sarah Lang. Um, How do commentators prepare for their comms? Um, New Zealand commentators, how do they prepare for comms about the roses? Would it have been helpful to have an English pundit on the team?
3: Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, I mean, of course it would have been, but I don't think that was thought of or I don't think it was offered or, I mean, who knows? But no, you, you just you prepare the same way you always do. I mean, you get the teams, you look through all the, I just have a page, I've got little bits on, on all of them. Um, half the time it's getting the name, the pronunciation of the names correct, uh, which is a big one. But um it's. I mean, it isn't that hard, and I don't think there's too much excuse, actually, to say that you couldn't find anything out about them. I mean, in this day and age of the internet, I mean, I'm so old, I was doing this when the internet wasn't as good, and I might add, when the England netball wasn't as mm. good, because it's very good now. Um but there's no excuse not to be able to find out information about all these players.
1: Yeah, no, agreed. Yeah, lots of stuff, obviously, on the England Netball website and things like that. Um, the next question, then, I'll come to you, Lindsay. Um, should it be concerning for the Roses that in the final two tests they gained no clean intercepts versus twelve by the Ferns? This is a question from Jamie Key.
2: I mean, coming from a defender, is that to what you live by? We've we've said about shooters not. Um, shooting above sixty percent, and that's not okay, and I suppose the same would be said for the defendants we need to get clean ball. I would probably argue then, would that is that the impact of not having much of a rotating group of players, so being able to have fresh legs, being able to have keen players onto the onto the court um and the fact that obviously it was only in the latter stages, so is it the fact that the lineup of New Zealand solidified and actually produced? much better feeds into the circles and less opportunities arise. So I think it's a bit of a mixture. I do think defenders, we, we can't have to be accountable and we have to get our stats. I know that being in Super League, you're expected to have you know minimum of three turnovers. You need to restrict them from scoring less than 15 goals a quarter to actually win that quarter or win the game. So yes, I would say Halima and um, Vicky would be disappointed not to have touch ball and not to have got clean intercepts as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't realise you have sort of set stats for, you reference the three turn, uh, turnovers or incepts there for NSL. Is that like a base level stat that players have provided with
2: that you sort of need to hit? No, sorry. it's just it's, um, an, a PA... Uh, Luke, a gentleman I used to work at um, Saracen Mavericks, he did a lot of research into what did you actually need to uh, to do to win a match and normally as just a minimum if you and your pair can each do a set amount then generally you you win the matches because you've got enough turnover and obviously that then revolves in having at least 18 goals per quarter, obviously shooters scoring over 85% so there's a lot of statistics in it that prove that winning games generally fall into those categories about certain things happening so it's not like an NSL particular stat but it's something <laughs> that lots of players try and do to, you know, to make sure you can secure your position as well. Like, you know, if you're securing three turnovers and even when you're working with Fumi, he gets like 14, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that you're, you're trying really hard and getting, you know, getting your 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 games worth. But yeah, it is. There is a minimum stat, and different coaches will have slightly different ones, and different teams depending on where they are in the league and what they're doing. And you know, internationally, England would have had a bottom line that those defenders would have been expected to have had five possessions, five gains, five something or three something, three uh, rebounds, hundred percent rebounding. You know, as a defender, that's the worst thing in the world. We do all the effort, you make start and you don't get the rebound. Like that's that's the worst. honestly. <laughs> (laughs) it's heartbreaking you think gosh what is wrong with me but yeah so there will be minimum standards that they will be upheld to and just as you have commented about the shooting you know we tore apart people who are willing to play goal attack and goal shooter but you know if they don't score over 85% shooting sets it's very unlikely for the team to Mm -hmm. win the game.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, great bit of insight there. Thanks for that, Linz. Um, Tamsin, one for you. We've got a DM from Anna. Thank you very much. Um, she said there's been a lot of chat in the wake of the Netball World Cup about whether Nolene will continue in post after November. In your view, will the events of this series impact whether she stays as head coach for the next cycle or not?
4: I, I think Nolene's earned a right to make her decision about whether she stays for the next cycle in, in this instance at the moment. I know I was talking about this on Off the court. I mean, if she lost the series, she'd been under a heap of pressure. But let's not take away the fact that in about three days, she turned around a one goal loss to a twenty goal yeah. win. Um, she, she's tactically brilliant, and once she'd seen the team and was able to do stuff. And I, I still quite like the fact that she left players out there to to work out stuff and do things and, and see it through. So I think um, I think for her, watching that side, I was like, geez, that is a big rebuild." I'd probably underestimated how big it was going to be. Um I think they've they've got to go away and do what Australia have done, which is come up with different ways of winning ball. They've got to they've got to understand how to shoot to feed holding shooters now. And and you know, it, the feeding was touch and go through through this game. I mean, I mean I'd have loved to have played with someone like Wormsley. She's she's huge. Um, but some of the feeding was just again, it it's gonna need some work. So I think um I think that's gonna come. They're only gonna get better. And I think it's whether Nolene wants to, because that is a that is a whole heap of projects. Um, and I think the one player that stood up was Ekinasio, who clearly uh, they've got such a great relationship, and it's such a brilliant culture, and that is one thing Nolene is amazing at, right, building a culture. So I I just think it's whether she's got that in her to do four years of of a complete real rebuild and sitting there through some of these matches, which are going to be painful at times because you know they're not suddenly going to improve. By twenty goals going against Australia, and when they meet them in the Constellation Cup, it's gonna that's gonna be a hard slog that series. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see her stay because I think she's brilliant. Um, but I, yeah, I think it will be
3: more down to whether she wants to. I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, Jenny, what's your view?
3: Yeah, well, my view is that um, I don't have a view because Nolene doesn't have a view. What she says is that she really doesn't know Uh, and you know I I was talking to a partner at the after the World Cup and he said I don't know I just will do whatever she wants Uh, that's the sort of partner you want Uh, but it's um, I I really have no idea and I think probably you know how she feels about staying now as opposed to after the first test probably very different (laughs) but I think the Constellation Cup will be Will be, you know, deciding it. And Ekinacio has come out very clearly and said she wants her to stay. Mm. I you know how much you take your captain's view into um, your considerations I don't know but honestly I have no idea
1: yeah oh well we will wait with bated breath then to see if she will be continuing after November so quickly before we wrap up we're just going to ask each of our panelists who their player of the series was from each nation so Lindsay we'll come to you first
2: I'm going to be really controversial because I'm choosing two attackers. So for England, I really think Sasha Glasgow really held up, showed her prowess. Agree with totally with Tamsin. Like, where enough was she during the World Cup? Um, so she definitely is it for England. I think she brought on confidence for Sophie and Berry to a whole new level. So I think she was fantastic. Um, close second was Vicky Olaosoa. Yeah. I do think she had a, an incredible test series. But yeah, I think Glasgow helped settle the, the England attack. And then for New Zealand, I think Ekonasio. Honestly, like that woman, from her heartfelt messages and what she said after her post match interviews at the World Cup to then after the first test to then. What she ended up with the third one, you know that woman's been on a bloody roller coaster <laughs> And the fact that she still rally a team, still get the girls to perform to that level, and you know have trust in her coach and trust in the process that, like Tamzin said and Jenny said, it's it's difficult. It's going to be some heartaches, some heartbreaks, some highs, some lows. And she really, really has worn her heart on her sleeve and performed. I thought she was outstanding. So yeah, controversially, two shoes. Yeah,
1: that's very <laughs> unlike you, Lynns, But no, we'll we'll let you have that one. Um, Jenny, coming to you next.
3: Well, no controversy here because I'm exactly the same. Um, I think without um, Glasgow, England would have been, you know, not not the same side. I thought I just could not fold close second, Barry Neal, only because, mainly because I'd never heard of her, and um, I, you know, I I had done my notes and thought, you know, it's one thing to read about someone, but if you haven't seen them play you know that that's quite a challenge yeah. so um she really impressed me and she was one to watch and as far as new zealand goes i mean echinasio head and shoulders above the rest she and I, and the other thing i love about her is that she always managed it's it's the off the court stuff as well she just knows what to say when to say it like in the huddle after the game they did the cheers and she said you know one for tiny um and and that's for tiny jamison who is just revered in this mm. country And um, yeah, no, special player, special woman. I hope she sticks around for a while. Yeah,
1: agreed. And Tamsin, coming to you next.
4: Yeah, I'm Ekenazio in Glasgow. I think both of them were were just so classy in different ways. Um, And I would 100% agree with Jenny Woods. Like, Emilian, she's she's special. Special kind of leader, special kind of person. Um, And I thought Sasha Glasgow, considering it's her first international um, playing for England as well, where there's, you know, a lot of chat about that i thought she was brilliant yeah
1: agreed and uh luce coming to you
0: oh uh well surprise surprise ekinasio for new zealand like I, I don't even think there was necessarily a close second i mean maybe honorable mention to maddie gordon perhaps <laughs> for me. I, I love gordon um but for me again like glasgow i'm actually going to go with someone different i'm going to go with barry neal i think considering her age as well Um, I I think she really stood up after a potentially rocky debut in the first test. I think she got a handful of minutes, um, but test two and test three, I thought she was outstanding. Um, So, yeah, very nil for England.
1: I'm going to go for uh, also Sasha Glasgow, very unoriginally. Um, She was a revelation for me. And I'm actually going to push the boat out and go for Mila Rielu Buchanan. The ferns. I thought she made a huge impact, and she's filling a Gina Crampton sized hole in the ferns at the moment for me. Um, And I think she was, yeah, really, really strong in this series considering not a huge number of, of test caps to her name and obviously just missing out on World Cup. So um, that is the end, the hour has absolutely flown by. Thank you so much everyone who's tuned in and a huge, huge thank you to our special guests for giving up their time to chat with us. Um, Thank you everyone who sent in questions. Do please keep your thoughts coming in. We will try to get back to you all um, over the next day or so. We really love hearing from you guys, so do keep in touch. Um, Next up in terms of international fixtures, Constellation Cup starts on the 12th of October. We've got Fast Fives on the 11th and 12th of November and England will play South Africa in a home series on the 5th of December. So UK fans, make sure to get your tickets. And just a final thank you so much to everyone on our panel. Take care and a huge thank you to everyone for tuning in.